update of what's going on there, some of the exciting stuff, and then David's going to share the word with us. But you support everything they're going to share with you today. You're a part of that, and um, and you help make that possible. So you can stretch your hands up here. And, and uh, Father, we thank you so much um, for these two precious saints and, Lord, for our connection to them, our relationship with them, really for many, many years now. And, Lord, in some ways we see them kind of as our hands, too. So in certainly they are your hands in the Philippines. And, uh, and we're so grateful for what you're doing through them, the work that you're accomplishing through them, and for our privilege of being a part of that. So bless them as they share with us today. Encourage us. Uh, in what you're doing in that part of the world, we pray. We love you. We want to see your kingdom advance all over the globe and, and, uh, uh, and bless their time with us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is a surprise. Um, we're thrilled to be here. The situation in the Philippines is travel situation is a little different than normal, so that's why we weren't really sure if this would fit here. Um, and I... Two weeks ago, that condition was never any good. <laughs> and they're here with his bride. And then just yesterday, uh, last week, David got his papers to travel, and just yesterday he arrived. So we are thrilled to be here. And we're also thrilled by what we get to share with you, which is God is so faithful. This year, since we were here last, all of us, I mean, have been through things that we never dreamt we would ever have to go through. Um, and the we were facing a challenge just with this incredible um, incredible building project that was in front of us that I knew would be a testimony of the Lord's faithfulness no matter when and how we felt. But being the m built in the middle of a global pandemic just made it all that more impossible and all that more giving glory to the Lord. And in every single situation that we were that David faces sometimes very regular uh, of uh, major challenges God just showed himself faithful again and again and again and we knew that this uh, we knew that this journey that we were embarking on was going to be able to increase our capacity to be generous but I have to honestly tell you I don't think we realized to what a degree it has been so incredible it's brought so many new opportunities it has opened doors and as we have uh, moved through the season of construction and going forward to the season of ministry God never wasted any opportunities to move in people's lives throughout every single step of the journey and we now even see how God has bigger plans for us in the future uh, than we had for ourselves when we started out uh, for this so um Yes, it is humbling, and I'm, we are so grateful, so, so grateful for the way that you all have prayed with us and stood with us, have sown into this project, and we are thrilled to come to tell you that the building is finished. We, we know that the future, as we move forward, uh, the Lord's going to continue to open doors. We thank you for your continued prayers and your partnership and your support with this. And um, we're just really, we're just really blown away by what God has done. So our our ministry has a lot of different arms. Um, obviously, during the pandemic, it's changed a bit as far as what what we were able to do. But everything is still going on. Uh, all of our teams are in virtual. All the rest are still in present. Um, but I'd like to share with you my impressions so you can see uh, a bit of what God has done. 
the Hoda Bay and Lord Davis Exhibition as a home for vulnerable girls where they would be loved, discipled, and launched into the world as leaders with a kingdom mindset. In 2017, God miraculously provided the land. In 2019, we broke ground. Today, we are thrilled to announce that construction is finished. To each one of you who have journeyed with us, even through all of the added challenges of the pandemic, praying and giving so generously, we say thank you. While we have been building, God has been working. Some of our crew got saved. We were able to reach out to dozens of children in our neighborhood who have never heard the gospel. And God started a small church in our ministry space, bringing families together who share the vision of being mothers and fathers to the girls who will live here. Right now, we are working on appliances and furniture and deeply appreciate your prayers and continued support as we look forward with great anticipation to opening our doors. The transformation of this mountainside to a beautiful home and ministry space has been mind-blowing, but the transformation we are really excited about will be in the lives of every girl who will live here. So much to say, so much to share about uh, what's going on, and of course, uh, this change that has has happened, you know, throughout the world. Um, it may have changed the way we live our lives, but it didn't change anything, you know, what what, what God is doing in the world. He is this pandemic. God did not cause this pandemic, but He is here. He's at work. And uh, what I'm going to share this morning is actually I would I would take off from what we have been hearing this morning. You know, Pastor Vinny was kind of talking about how how God is in it, that He is with it. That even when we talk about how the kingdom in Jesus was when John the Baptist was saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? And Jesus was was talking about the kingdom of heaven. Um, he's not talking about something that would that would come, you know, and, and like an outside force. But he's really talking about um, something, a change that's going to happen to the world. And it has begun, you know, from that time since until today. So when we ask the question, what is God doing today? Or what is, you know, what is really the answer, you know? And, and we kind of try to look of something outside of ourselves. But have we ever considered that what God is doing in the world today is you and me? That is what is this God is doing in the world. What is happening in the world? What is the action of God in the world? Is you. And sometimes that's where we fail as a church and as Christians because we always kind of separate what God is doing, you know, from, from with, from us. But in fact, God lives in you and me. Wherever you go, you're bringing the reign of God. Where you step into, you bring life, you bring joy, you bring hope, you bring faith. 
He brings God alive in every situation because what God is doing is you. Amen. So I'm going to talk about from, from uh, the letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. This is known as the love chapter of the Bible. The first Corinthians 13. And when you ever, when you hear this, this uh, chapter today, it will always be, uh, you know, probably in a setting where there's a wedding uh, or, or we're doing some Thanksgiving. Yeah, and we talk about love and, and, and the emotion that comes with it will always be this uh, nice feeling, you know, about what is love. And, and that's true to some extent. But really, when, when, when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, he was kind of frustrated. He was like, why are not getting this? Because there's so much strife and conflict and division, you know, in the church. Actually, Paul spent more of his time trying to uh, get this church uh, get going, you know, and, and be repaired with what's going on. So this letter was, was kind of coming in like that. Because Corinth at that time was known to be like the, the city of love. They have the biggest, the most magnificent temple of love. They serve the god Aphrodite amongst, amongst many other gods. And so they're supposed to be a city that knows what is love. But of course we know you know, if we go back and, and read about what it what that meant at that time, it's actually a perversion of what is love. Aphrodite is served by a thousand priestesses that are actually prostitutes. And the way that they serve and worship this God is a perversion that it became an insult to be called a Corinthian at that time. Anybody that's called a Corinthian at that time was like a person with no morals. And people flocked to that city all over the world. Corinth is, is, is located in, in an area where uh, it's like a crossover. It's, it's like this melting pot of the Asian and European cultures. So every uh, seafarers and traders would pass through Corinth. And it saved their money to go and worship at the temple. So this is the mindset of people. Love in Corinth. So 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul was writing this to the church in Corinth, he was telling them, this is the definition of love. It's not the love that you know. It's not the love that you, you're supposed to be uh, you're supposed to have known ever since. It's not that. It's coming from this real experience of love that he had witnessed at the road to Damascus, that he had seen with the lives of people. I'm sure that when, when he became a Christian and followed Christ, he was think about, thinking about that man that he witnessed was stoned to death, Stephen. And he saw his face before he died. He had this countenance of this peace and of an angel seeing heavens open. What is that? There is the picture of love. 
and he saw, he probably, no stories or probably was there, and he saw the suffering that Jesus had to go through, and all the persecution as a Christian, that was a picture of love. Sometimes the picture that we have today of love is so distorted. You know, there's this song, country song, you know, in, in, in the place where I live in the Philippines, amazingly, uh, we love country songs. It, it, it's the only place probably, you know, in Asia or in a country where, you know, you, you find people wearing uh, cowboy boots, you know, and, and they actually have a park there uh, where you can ride a horse, you know, and just... Anyway, there's this country song that that uh, where it talks about when it comes to love, you don't count the cost. It talks about a mother. It talks about soldiers. We don't talk about the cross. But the content of the song is actually saying that you have to count the cost. Because sometimes that's really the problem. When you talk about love, when it's love, you have to count the cost. You have to know. What's, what's coming behind this action of love. And Jesus died on the cross. And we have salvation today. This salvation, the cost that comes with it, is, the, is what was paid by Jesus on the cross. What we're enjoying today, the freedom that we enjoy today, is paid by the life of so many soldiers and veterans you know, who, who are wounded and have been killed. That is the cross. And when, so when Paul was talking about the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, he was talking about the price that was paid. Why do we have this love? You know, in the same chapter, Paul was also talking about even if I have, even as I speak in the tongues of angels, if I don't have love, I have nothing. And then he ended it by saying that there are three things that abide. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. Because we can hope, we can have faith, but if it's not founded on the solid ground of love, it is nothing. What do we have as a church? What do we have followers of Jesus? What do we bring in into the world? What do we infuse into the world? It is that that was given to us. The very blood of Jesus that runs in the veins of the church. That is what we have. And that's what we bring into the world. It is this love. So I invite you to read with me. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, till the verse 8. And I say to this, love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, love does not brag, and it's not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love 
ever fails. Amen. What were the issues that were that were um, church the church in Corinth was was facing at the time? There was division. There was active fornication. There was fooling each other, you know, and and bringing them to the court of the unbelievers. See, Paul, that was that was really um, he just cannot take that because he knew what was happening in Corinth. There was a problem with with the marriages of people. There was the eating of the meat. I believe that was the real confrontation in church. There was also conflict on who they're supposed to follow, on the headship of the covering. There was a problem with the Lord's Supper because the way that they celebrated the Lord's Supper at the time was it's, it's a meal that everybody shares. And some people, they're, they're, they're going on, you know, and, and have the meals without waiting for the others because, because of the social division. So the slave owners and the enslaved, the people that are working, and, and some people have separated themselves. There was also a division on spiritual gifts. This, the resurrection from the grave was, was causing um, a great debate between them. Even the collection of money. You know, all these things. I don't know here if it's church in the U.S., but there's still what's happening in the church. That they're, they're still facing these issues. We still have so many of these. You know, we, we'll have trainings and, and seminars, and so we meet a lot of pastors, and the things that they, they tell us is just unbelievable. so much from that situation that was happening in Corinth. Maybe what we have is just a form, an image. But what is really, what are we supposed to do as a church? Or maybe it begs the question, what am I? Who am I? You know, in this world. There's this move. It's like a movement, you know, today in, in the church where we're, we're like trying, putting so much effort to be part of what's going on. Like we strive to be relevant. But are we supposed to do that? Because if we live out the love of Christ, we will stand out. We will be so radical. We will have, we, we, we just project this image that is so different. In the midst of darkness, when you light something, even just a small candle, it would be so radical from all the darkness that surrounded it. And we are supposed to be that. We are supposed to be that infusion of light into a world that is so lost and hopeless. That's who we are. But the enemy knows. And Paul talks about this. He was saying, the enemy is not flesh and blood. So consequently, that also means that anything that is flesh and blood is not your enemy. You are not supposed to be debating against a person who is against, who just chose not to be vaccinated. I know that's a really touchy issue here in the U.S. 
or maybe who you voted for. You know, I can say that. I'm, I'm, I'm not American, so I'm going to leave, you know, later. <laughs> but that's not supposed to be bringing division to us as a church. The enemy knows those issues. And so he would bring all these things, you know, and just put everything into the mix. And just like that, we're divided. Because he knows that one of the greatest weapons that we have is our unity in the love of Christ. That we're supposed to be united because of what Jesus has done on the cross. We're supposed to be doing all these actions that we're doing in the church. Not because it's required, not because, oh, you're supposed to be in church. You're supposed to be helping this and that. You're supposed to be helping the work in the Philippines. No, you do it out of love. What do we have as a church? Music. Oh, we're good. Music. We have a multi-billion Christian worship. Music. They're so competitive, you know, that so many even artists that are supposed to be secular are now picking up those Christian songs. Why? Because it makes money. Or is that what we have? No. What we have is love. This love. Not just this fuzzy, nice feeling. No. This love that we have is based by the blood of Christ that is so powerful. The greatest love of all is not what Ricky Rickson has defined. It's not the love for yourself. The greatest is the love of Jesus dying on the cross. And there is no greater love than this. For someone to lay down his life for you. You know why a lot better know more about love than people who are supposed to be uh, call themselves uh, Christian. Because the veteran knows the sacrifice that Philip in the life of his friend dying for him sacrificing his life for him. Love and sacrifice. What we're doing here, what we do as the ministry in the Philippines, what powers it in the Philippines, what drives it in the Philippines, what we do as a church in the Philippines. Maybe today, we're supposed to love this, to look at these verses about love and we say, when we say love is patient, and Jesus lived for us. We do not only say that Jesus is patient. That Jesus is patient. Probably this group are there. And we say. David is patient. Because he will stand remember. Church member or this other pastor. that David is patient. David is kind. David is not jealous. You know, you won't believe this, but among pastors, there's a lot of jealousy, you know, in the Philippines. They see this building that is being built. You know, they need actually food. When the pandemic happened and there was this lockdown, we are in the middle of building it. 
we started our foundation. And the city is on a lockdown. No construction materials. I cannot be go, you know, there's no dogs, you know, or, or any of, of all these homes here that we have here. We have all these small construction supplies, shops that we, we, we go to, but they're all closed down. So what I did was to go, you know, to all these big projects, building projects where they already bought materials, but all the older people went home. So I went and told them, you're going to lose money anyway. This material should go to waste. I'll let you buy those materials. So that's how, that's how we were able to build. Aggregates, you know, all this steel bars and everything. And, and we kept building. And so when everything opened up, all our neighbors, you know, in that place were like surprised. Here's a five-story building here that wasn't there yesterday. There is a price to pay. There is a price to pay to say that we are a follower of Christ. There is a price to pay to say that we are the church. There is a price to pay to do ministry. Every pastor here knows the price that has to be paid. You can't just leave. It doesn't mean that you're, you're not an ordinary person. You are. You're still you. But yet, there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay to say that I am a Christian. There is a price to pay. And you know all this. Everyone here who's involved in ministry, you know this. And the reason, you know, that last line that says, love never fails. The reason why we don't fail as a church is because Jesus didn't fail. And Jesus will never fail. His kingdom will reign. We've been seeing that over and over and over again. But what does this mean? How does that, what is the picture of that? The picture of that, again, is you. Living through all the challenges that we have to go through every day. This year, buried my father. He's been in ministry for over 50 years. And as I was standing there watching him, you know, live this life, I was asking God, where are you? Where are you? And the only answer I can get is, you know, the God was actually there in the middle of that. The death, the suffering, my dad has to go through, God was in the middle of all that. Because God is what, that my dad what is what God has been doing in my life growing up. So God, so maybe now what is, what we, what we're supposed to do as people of God is to just act out of this love so that the world will see love that is alive that is in motion, love that is like right there in the flesh. We do not talk about love like, like this far away concept, like an idea. No, it is not that. It's not a philosophy. It's Paul was talking to the Corinthians because he knew. He knew 
that all these philosophies and all this, you know, they follow all this teaching. He was telling them, okay, it's not it. They try to make make it sound like it's so complicated and so high that you 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 have to have you have this high intelligence to understand what is love. No, love is the person that is next to you. Love is that part of the family which is a relative which is not a Christian, that you're supposed to put it into action. That's love. It is wrong. It is impotent. It is in you. It is you. The actions that you do, the decision that you have to make. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It's not arrogant. does not act unbecomingly. We need that in the church today. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes in all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. God bless you.